0: Ladies and gentlemen, you're going to like this next show, not because of its content, but because of what these people are doing to change the world and make this world a better place. Now, I have been uh, a good friend of mine, Mitch Commidge, told me of the wonderful work that Keith Wagoner and Harley Elmore are doing with something called Operation Rescue Children. And I got the letters right that this time rather than the other way around. And this is a group of people that are saving uh people from childhood prostitution. And if you don't think this is a problem, you haven't been alive because this is one of the major issues affecting. Canada, the United States, Europe, every place on the globe. And it is such a major issue that it is very, very hard to stamp out. Um, I, I, uh, attended a presentation by Nick Nanton, who's an Emmy Award winner. And he put together a video on this, uh, which I was just ta- shocked and dismayed to see the extent of this and how the pervasiveness is going on. So I'm going to start with Keith. And Keith, why don't you tell me how you got involved with it and your role with it? And then I'll get you to bring in the other players here and get them to chat as well.
1: Excellent. Thank you, Dr. Leifert, for having us on. It's a real honor always to to be on your show. Uh, Starting back in about, uh, I guess it was 2018, um, uh, my wife, Adrienne, and I were at church. And there's a special missionary there from overseas. And uh, he gave us a report. On his work, he and his family left the United States. He was a police officer, and he was so moved that he uh, took his entire family with him. And uh, he said this specifically. He said, there are more victims of human trafficking, more slaves in the world today than there's ever been in the history of the world. And I thought, what? No, no. I mean, more than the Civil War days, more than in the days of Moses and the children of Israel. I said, really? And he said, he went on to say, he said, there are over 4, 40 million slaves in the world today. That's, that's more than the population of Canada itself. And I was shocked. I mean, really, really shocked. So I went home uh, and did what any academic person would do. And I did my research. And uh, it verified what he was saying, that uh, sure enough, there are more slaves in the world today. And most of them are women and children. And so Adrian and I uh, said, we've got to do something. Now, when I thought about doing something, I thought, hey, we'll just invite their family over and feed them, you know, <laughs> give them a good meal. Uh, and when he got there, he just uh, began to disseminate all the information and the passion. And it broke our hearts. And I gave him a little tour of my house and took him down to my basement where a lot of my martial arts training equipment uh, is. And he, his eyes just got big. And he said, Keith. He said, you train martial arts. And I said, yeah, I've been training, you know, since I was a kid. And he said, man, we need help. He said the traffickers, the people who are enslaving children, stealing children's lives. He said they're becoming more and more equipped, more and more sophisticated and well-trained. He said, and our guys who are mostly, you know, they use the indigenous populations of some of these third world countries to help. He said, we're, uh, we're getting slaughtered, so we can't keep up. He said, would you be able to come over and and teach us something about self-defense or how to do it? And that's when my eyes got big. (laughs) I said, well, wait a minute. You know, yes, I'm a martial artist, but this problem is so big and so important. We need more than just what I would be able to do in that in that facet. I said, but I know a guy. I know one of the best in the world at training the top, you know, the very elite top tier military teams of the world in integrative combatants and military combat science. I said, let me call him. Let me make a few phone calls. And honestly, Alan, I thought it was going to be a long shot. I I didn't even know if if he would be allowed uh, to take this information that's currently being used by the top military teams and, and teach it outside of the country. I had no idea. But thank the Lord, the answer wound up being yes. And they're here with us. This is my good friend, Tuhan. That's a, a title in martial arts science. It's kind of like Grandmaster. Tuhan, Harley Elmore, and his wife, Crystal.
0: Welcome for being here today and, and welcome and thank you for your presence. Now, let's tell, tell us about your involvement and, and, and what, how this started and how, how it's gone to today and what you're doing today.
2: Sure, yeah. Well, again, thanks for having us on, doctor, um and giving us an opportunity to to discuss such an important subject. Um, you know, Keith gave me a call and and uh after he'd spoken to that gentleman and said, "Hey, do you think this is something you'd, you'd be interested in doing? Something you you can do?" And uh, you know, like Keith, I was like, "Well, I'm not really sure. You know, we need to ask some questions and find out what's going on." And um, you know, I talked to the people that I work with and um Keith and I Uh, met at Keith's house and we met this, uh, this gentleman who's, you know, doing the work overseas and, and we talked about what their needs were, what the, what the threats they were facing, um, you know, the people that they were, that they were working with, what kind of violent encounters they were, were dealing with over, overseas in their particular, uh, you know, theater of operation. And, um, I was like, well, here's how I would solve some of those problems. Here are the things that, that I would do that we would do in training and, and, uh, that you, your gentlemen might find useful or the people that you work with might find useful. And so we had a conversation there at Keith's house, uh, um, you know, and, uh, you know, over a cigar and kind of talked it over and, um, and we both, we all, all three of us kind of decided, yeah, this looks like something that, that would be useful. That's possible. And, uh, so let's move to the next stage. Let's see if we can, if we can get over there and make that happen. And so, you know, um, that's, that was the start of it, you know, of, of, of us trying to, you know, help those people and solve the problems that they were facing.
3: And it was just going to be a one-time thing. We, we weren't planning on it being bigger than that necessarily in the beginning, but when we went over there and we saw what was going on and we saw how the unique set of skills that Harley and Keith have been developing over the last 30 years could be put together to fill this need for what these guys need. We, we were simply like, we, we can't not do this. Like this, right. what, this is what we've been preparing for. Literally, it's how we felt, and and we we came back, and that was just the beginning. And, and we we're like, we have to do something, and so uh, we started Operation Rescue Children.
0: Wow, that that is is pretty significant there. So you are working with law enforcement officers now. You're working with, I, I'm sure, with other people in the community now, maybe you can tell us the extent of your involvement so people will understand this operation you're doing.
2: What we found is that, you know, there are certainly people overseas that uh, that need the help that we can, the training that we can provide. Um, but as soon, actually, you know, the whole pandemic thing broke out when we were out abroad. And so, um, you know, as that started to you know, limit some of the uh, international travel that gave us, uh, you know, a new direction. And so we decided to focus on the the domestic law enforcement agents that we could try and help, uh, in particular, people who are working on the border, who were dealing with human trafficking and human smuggling and all the things that were going on there. And so uh, we started reaching out to those teams and trying to provide opportunities to train for them that they might not otherwise have access to. And uh, so that's primarily what we're doing here uh, domestically. Uh, we are still reaching out to uh, international contacts and we brought some of those over here and doing more stuff with them. Um, but that's kind of what, what our current mission profile is right now is working with our domestic officers to try and help them and give them more skills uh, and a greater capability here domestically.
0: Okay. You know, this problem is so pervasive that it is going on in every community in the in the United States and Canada and there are so many people that are perverts that are sexual offenders that are involved in it it is beyond belief you know a child that that's a preteen or a teen that's on the internet is susceptible to these people Because what they do is they befriend them, they get them to do something that sounds benign to them, like show their breasts to the to the screen. And then all of a sudden they have them hooked because they say, we will now if you don't do what we will say, we'll show this to all your friends and your family. So it turns these young kids into prostitutes and, and to other things working for these for these perverts. Have you come across that to a large extent?
1: We, yeah, we've done research and talked to lots of people that um, say this exact same thing. In fact, I was just right before this podcast, I was just in a meeting with someone that was talking about that very same thing. I mean, it's, it's incredible how pervasive it is. And this happens just like that on these chat rooms. Uh, you know, there's these chat rooms where you just scroll from video person, video person to video person. And, um, you know, and it, it's, it's not, uh, it, it's, it's not benign. It's very, very uh, malignant with a devious, uh, um, intention. You know, they do this on purpose and it starts what seems to be just, you know, your regular video chat. And then it turns into a dare and they develop a relationship. But it also happens, you know, all across the malls of America where your typical, you know, even middle to high uh socioeconomic status person, you know, these mall queens, you know, these teenagers that get in there and they meet this charming man who is really good at seducing these teens. And then they become their boyfriend and they introduce them to all of their friends. And then pretty soon they've got them. And parents all around the country, you know, the United States and Canada and and across Europe are finding out years later that their child has been a prostitute uh, being held captive, but still coming home every night uh, in their own bedrooms. And no one ever knew it happened. And yeah. sometimes, you know, they are trafficked and, you know, if things don't go exactly the way they want them, they'll steal these children away and ship them off somewhere else. But trafficking doesn't have to be what happens. Sometimes it's just right there and they go about their everyday life, going to school and everything. Um, and no one ever knows it. I mean, it is, it
0: is tragic. Yeah. Harley, do you want to add to that?
2: Uh, yeah, I would just say that, you know, without going into the, 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 the tactics that our law enforcement's using today, um, that that's a very common theme is that there's, there's some sort of internet set up, um, you know, and, um, you know, our, our law enforcement agencies here in the United States are very good at, um, you know, working that internet you know, having, uh, you know, a strong social media presence. Um, and, uh, you know, then utilizing that as a way to, uh, you know, capture, uh, you know, bad guys, uh, and and they're capturing bad guys right in your own town, right in your own cities, in your own regions, you know, and you're like, what that's, that's happened. That just happened here. Um, so yeah, that's definitely going on. And then of course, uh, and that's affects all of us because, those are the kids they they could be your kids they could be the kids your that your children are going to school with uh and then of course down on the border you have a lot of people who are just uh you know in a very desperate situation and um and and they you know uh, end up in some sort of uh trafficking ring because you know they're 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 a better product you know um if you have um you know a you know 10 pounds of of drugs you can sell that one time but if you have a you know, a teenage girl, you can move her across the country and sell her over and over again. And, um, you know, they just rent hotels and small little seedy hotels in town. They'll come into town with their four girls. They'll set up shop in that little seedy hotel. They'll stay there until, you know, the market's used up and then they'll move them onto it. The next in the circuit and they'll move four more or six more, or whatever. And if things go bad, you know, if, if, uh, the law enforcement rolls up, they can just literally just drive away and leave the children there and they're clean. Their hands are clean, so you know it's a it's a problem that that covers all social economic uh, levels, um, and you know there's a wide variety of tactics, and it's an insanely profitable um, you know market, and uh, and of course that's what that's what drives that whole thing. Um, so yeah,
3: yeah. If you sell drugs, you can only do it one time, but if you sell a little girl, you can do it over and over and over again. Uh, and,
0: and also, drugs are. Easier to catch often than this prostitution stuff that's going on because it's so insidious. I currently have a granddaughter that's 13 and her friends, parents allow their friends to go to the mall and hang out at the mall. My, well, my daughter won't let allow that happen. Now, the sad thing is all of her friends have ostracized her because she's not allowed to go to the mall. So this is the difficulty that goes on with the social pressure as well, because, of course, a 13-year-old does not realize the the problems that are associated with this behavior. They do not see the danger associated with this behavior, and they do not see the, the danger associated with these stupid cell phones, because they're just chatting. They're just social beings, and they don't see the problems that are coming around the corner.
2: Yeah. And part of that is because we, we want to preserve their innocence as long as we possibly can, right? We want them to be children and we don't want them to be faced with the horrors of the world. Uh, it's hard enough for even adults to, to address these, um, terrible subjects. And so we want to protect our children as much as possible. And so that makes the child, you know, unprepared, right? So the question there becomes, how do we train our children to recognize the threats with, you know scaring them to death and and uh, and stealing them of, of what innocence they have left as a child so that's that's a big problem
0: and I'm going to ask Harley and you, Keith, this question is how do we inform parents of this threat and how do we protect our children from this threat in view of the fact that we know it's pervasive how do we monitor our children's behavior on the internet, how do we, uh, I I know law enforcement is doing its very best and they're wonderful, amazing, but they can't be everywhere. I I mean, there's just too many pockets out there. You shut down one thing and another one pops up right away. So how do you, uh, how do we get parents involved, because the only solution to this is everybody realizes it's a problem and they stick up their hands and say, no, we're not taking this anymore. We're not going to allow this to happen in our society. We've got to get judges and politicians involved. And again, some of the politicians are involved in these evil deeds as well. So we have to realize that we have to get people involved that are light thinking and and try to do the best we can to shut this down. But it's a worldwide problem. It's a problem of poverty in a lot of places because poverty is is causing these acts to occur. It wouldn't exist in Mexico if there wasn't that poverty there that would allow young children to be picked up and sold.
1: Coulon, hmm. um, would you like to take this one?
2: Yeah, I, well, what I would say is that doing things like this, right. Uh, allowing us to have a voice for us to even have this conversation, uh, and for, for all your listeners and and viewers out there who are, who are watching and, 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 you know, accepting this responsibility themselves, that education it goes, it goes so much further than we can possibly understand. So, you know, we're doing part of it right now, just by explaining to parents, Hey, this does occur, you know, um, and then trying to take an active role in your teenagers or your child's life, you know, uh, know their friends, know where they're going, knowing what they're doing, you know, and, you know, I know p- parenting is challenging, you know, um, but at the same time, you can't, uh, you can't, um, grant your children too much freedom. You still have to be their parent. You still have to monitor their relationships and they're coming and going. And, um, you know, if, if we were, I grew up here in the South, the United States and, and, uh, we have hunting seasons where we deer hunt and turkey hunt and things like that, right? Well, you don't just grab your rifle and wander aimlessly out into the woods, hoping that you stumble across something, right? What you do is you find out, uh, where it sleeps, you, the animal that you're hunting. Where does it eat? Where does it drink water? Where does it bed down during midday? Where does it bed down at night? Um, where, and what are the pathways in which it goes back and forth through all those things? In the military, we refer to that as pattern of life. You build a pattern of life. And so now I know everything there is to know about the animal that I'm hunting. And that dramatically increases um, my my success rate, right? And so the more we can change up uh, or keep private our comings and goings, right, the harder we can make it for someone to build a pattern of life on our children. On our families, the easier it is for us to keep them out of the scope. Um, and so that's, that's a part of that is not letting people be able to target our children, know where they're going, what they're doing and all that stuff. It's not posting things on social media in live time and things like that.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that that's a huge thing. I, I, I think, you know, first of all, social media is a benefit, but it's also a harmful thing. And, and, you know, when I was a cosmetic doctor, I was stalked several times. And so I would never put my names of my children or my wife anywhere on social media because I didn't want them to have the problems that I did. Yes, because of who I was, I had to be responsible for that. But, you know, I didn't want to allow my children to be that way. And and we've got to teach our children that social media is a very evil thing, and it can be very evil if it's not treated properly
1: yeah, and it's any time that something like social media what it does is it gives people around the world instant access to you, and you think about it if uh, children have if people have instant access to your children and your children have instant access to them, what's going to happen um and it's yes, poverty, like you said earlier. Uh, Dr. Lacka, poverty is a big issue, uh, especially, you know, all around the world. But it's not only, con- you know, limited to poverty. Uh, uh-huh. You can look at all SES, you know, even the very wealthy. And, uh-huh. you know, this type of thing is pervasive everywhere and in every culture and in every so- economic class. And the reason is, is because of the teaching about what this is. And so you can think of it, you know, very, very individualistically, and that's where the start of the solution always happens. And the solution has to spring forth out of the realization of the problem for parents to be able to, number one, be involved in their own kids' lives and take time out of the busyness, even in their wonderful life, about what's going on to address the issue. And of course, you know, to be aware that there even is an issue. Um, But then systemically, you know, it's through the education uh, and you can look all the way down the road about how fathers and sons interact and what they teach their sons about masculinity and the idea of, hey, son, let's uh, let's take a look at what you're doing in private in there. And, you know, let's really define for you what it means to be a man of integrity. You know, if we can really permeate our societies and our cultures that, you know, we do have a responsibility as men to teach and to lead our children in this way well, then, you know, we can really curb the users uh, and the abusers of this type of thing that's going on. And yeah, then we can handle it from both sides of the spectrum. But and again, I would, I would and ask- again, it's just a matter of outreach and beca- creating an awareness.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I was blessed with four beautiful daughters. I didn't have any sons. So the, the thing is my wife was able to be very into their lives all the time. And, uh, you know, and we, now we have, seven beautiful grandchildren, only one is a boy. So we, again, are into their lives all the time and being able to handle things and be able to do all those things. So the key starts at the top and goes to the bottom. And, And I must admit, I'm in a very unique situation that my whole family is around. That we see them every week, we see them every weekend. Uh, we have a beautiful place at the lake that we're in at the summer, and they're always around. So it's it's a great situation to be in, but it allows us to keep tabs of everything. It allows us to know exactly what's happening to their lives, and of course, all their friends are invited to the to the lakes and to the houses and everything else. So we know the friends. So we know what's going on. And I think that's a large part is most of the time parents are so busy working two jobs and and not paying attention. That's where the problems come in. That's right.
2: That's right. Yeah. And and now today we have the culture of, um, well, I have to give them their privacy. I have to respect their, you know, what they want. I have to respect their wishes. And, and of course, you know, I would say that that, that those are things that adults earn, privileges that adults earn through cro- uh, correct decisions, um, not something that teenagers should automatically be gra- granted. You
0: no, know, and I, I think that's well said. I, I think that's very well said. These are privileges, and they have to be earned from what children do and what they, what they do. And it's not something that because they're having a temper tantrum or something like that that they get. It's got to be earned along the way by making the right decisions along the way.
1: Yeah, and parents have to have a vision of what they want for their children developmentally. And that vision has to be stronger uh, than their child's temper tantrum, right? My desire for my kids to be safe uh, at a very baseline, but then to grow up to be great human beings, that has to be stronger than my just desire to send them off to their room so that I can have some peace and quiet.
0: So we're getting down to the last five minutes of our conversation together. So, Harley, I want you to say some words that might be uh that might have some meaning for our listeners out there on this problem. And now perhaps we can address this problem even more.
2: Yeah, uh, well, I would I would say that, uh, first off, the whole team probably has something to contribute here. Well,
0: let's do that. Let's do that. Let's go around and get the team to contribute in such a way that we can get some very meaningful uh Minutes that we have here.
3: Yeah. Well, I think that <clears throat> we're a great example of probably or a great representation of what most people are like, where we knew about human trafficking, but we didn't really know exactly what the extent of human trafficking is in just all around us everywhere. So one of the things that we want to do, one of our missions is to help spread awareness. And if more people can uh, be aware of the reality of trafficking and the reality of the dangers of trafficking, uh, they'll do a better job of protecting their kids and preventing it, which I think is one of our main goals is not to be a reaction to the problem of trafficking, but to try to be a solution to preventing trafficking. So if we well, can. Make-
0: yeah, that, that is beautifully said there, Crystal. And for those who are listening, this, that's Crystal Elmer, Harley's wife, uh, who's part of this team as well. So that, that is beautifully said. So I'm going to jump Keith to your wife next. So that.
3: Yes. Hello. My name is Adriana. I'm Keith's wife. Um, I always feel like one of the best ways to address an issue like this is to start at the heart level. So realizing that some of this problem is cyclical and it's a sickness um, that these people are drawn to um, these children. So trying to figure out how we can not only address stopping it, but even taking a step back even further and trying to address how we can morally change the um, environment so that this isn't a problem we can address it even before the problem starts so that's another avenue that we're looking into addressing with this as well
0: thank you adriana that that's beautifully said as well and that really uh says a lot okay harley or keith what would you like to add to this uh situation
2: Um, I, I'll go ahead and let you have the last word, Keith. How about that? Um, I would say that, um, you know, if we look at the reality of it, it's our, it's our children. Um, one child facing one adult and one adult with a plan of action, um, versus an unsuspecting child. And that, that, that child, there's no way that child's going to be able to pull that off on their own. So the only way we can do that is if we as a society all agree that we're gonna watch out for those children, we're gonna educate each other, we're gonna uh look for the flags within our families and our communities, and we're gonna do everything we can to educate everybody on the on the what the real threats are that
0: our children face today. Excellent. Okay, Keith, you get the last word, as we said.
1: Well, I mean, all of those were great words. Um I would just say this, a part of what Operation Rescue Children does is we train the heroes that can intervene even on that level, even with where good, uh, aware, conscientious parents can't. And so, you know, so we really 10X our efforts. Every hero we train, they go out there and they multiply um, the children that are saved because a well-trained hero is someone who who, who can save countless numbers of children. And sometimes our heroes, like law enforcement agents or missionaries, they have to choose between equipment and training. And so let's say, you know, they have to, because their budgets are cut, they have to either get a bulletproof vest or come train with us. And so we're so dedicated to what we do and we believe in it that we'll train them absolutely for free. So they no longer have to make that choice, but they can get both. And then they 10x the result. I mean, they're really out there doing the work. And uh so if people can become aware of like everything we said of the systemic issue that starts at your home starts with your awareness then we can empower not only these heroes but also parents and equip them to be able to teach their children about these things.
0: Excellent. Now, where can people find out more information of about operation rescue children? Is there a website?
1: Yes sir, there is. In fact, Uh, Crystal, who is our COO, just helped develop a brand new website. Crystal, would you like to tell them about it?
3: Yeah, you can go to our website. It's OperationRescueChildren.org. There's information on there about what we do. You can see examples of the training that we're doing with these law enforcement agencies. Um, We're going to have tons of information about uh, on a blog just trying to inform people more about trafficking. And and you can just get an idea of what we are doing and, and see that.
0: Excellent. Well, I have to thank you all for being here today and putting this time together. Uh, you know, as I said, when I saw that you were all making it to today on the web, on the show, I couldn't help, but just be overjoyed that we're going to make a significant difference in people's lives.
1: Thank you, doctor. It, for having us.
3: I, I think we are. And I believe it's a personal obligation. We all, all four of us believe that it's a personal obligation that we have to fight this fight. Uh, once we knew, we, we couldn't not do something. do something.
0: That's right. Excellent. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, check out that website. I look forward to talking to you soon. Dr. Alan Leica here. Bye for now. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Leica's
1: book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic
0: day.